Welcome to the next One Spatial podcast. I'm Bob Chell and I look after products and operations at One Spatial. And I've also got with me CTO Seb. And we plan to talk to you this time about machine learning. We want to talk about where it fits into the spectrum of different AI techniques, how we are looking to take advantage of that and improving what we do, particularly within the scope of location mass data management. And we'll also talk about a couple of different scenarios that we've been using and playing with at One Spatial. So machine learning is just one of the parts of you know, the overall spectrum of all artificial intelligence techniques that we've got. Seb, could you just tell us a little bit more about AI in general and how it's related to what we do or what we have done in the past as well at, at One Spatial? Yeah, sure. So machine learning that you just mentioned there is one of several AI techniques that have been discussed for, well, decades now since Alan Turing's time. So it's not new, but machine learning specifically is based on techniques using technologies such as neural networks where the system learns from examples or detects patterns from examples. And that's what most people are thinking about these days when they talk about AI. So it's one of these things that's useful to use sometimes instead of, but usually alongside other approaches such as having explicitly defined logic and rules. Okay, so using it actually not just on its own, but in combination with other things. Have you got an example of that? Yeah, a good example of that is self-driving cars. And that's where you'll use all sorts of techniques for achieving this. So we'll use machine learning techniques for things like the image recognition part, so recognizing what's in a scene, what's an object, what's a car, what's a pedestrian. But you wouldn't use machine learning techniques to teach, for example, the, the driving regulations or the, the highway code part of the system. You wouldn't get the system to learn that you have to drive on the left or the right, depending on the country you're in. You'd explicitly encode that into the system and make use of the information that's coming in from the machine learning parts of the process. So machine learning is really powerful for specific problems, especially ones that defining the rules is hard to do. Now, that approach seems to be pretty successful, but we've had at least two AI winters in the last 50 years where it seemed to promise a lot, didn't quite live up to the hype, and then people lose interest. But now the processing power is here and people are getting real results. Now, there are lots of projects at the moment, some experimental, some real generating results, but it's inevitable. Some will drop off as things don't quite work as hoped, but what we expect is that there will be enough projects being successful at that what they call the trough of disillusionment, might be fairly shallow. If you look at the scope of things described under the banner of artificial intelligence, they're quite wide, and including things like symbolic AI or expert systems. And these are traditionally built on inputting a series of facts or inputting into the system a series of bits of information and getting the machine to deduce new things. And people thought, well, maybe that will lead to some sort of intelligence. But actually now they're, they're mostly used in, in specific pragmatic ways, such as rules-based systems or knowledge engineering processes, where the computer is told to ask certain questions and they'll follow a script, follow the rules defined by an expert to reach some conclusion. So these days, machine learning is the focus, and that's where the process is much less explicit and you're learning from examples. So computer vision and, and language understanding is an example. So as well as the example of self-driving car, Siri is another good example. What's clever about things like Siri and other personal assistants is their natural language speech recognition. They're good at detecting what you've said. What it does with that information is still pretty basic, pretty disappointing. It does some basic actions such as sending a message, go through some standard responses to various comedy inputs, and then otherwise it falls back to doing a web search. 
That makes sense. So for quite some time, I've been doing a lot of work at One Spatial. We've clearly been through the rules-based approach that you just talked about, Seb, you know, all things AI, and even moving really into sort of expert systems and knowledge engineering as we look to encode the rules and put some of that intelligence artificially into the systems that we're using. But as you mentioned, now machine learning is really opening up even more ideas that we can test out and validate really quickly. So let's talk about ML in particular then and how we plan to use it maybe as just another AI technique in how we go about helping solve problems for our customers. So where should we start with that? Well, we can just consider it another form of automation and it will continue to find its place in improving AI techniques, especially when combined with other things such as rules-based systems, knowledge engineering. And it just helps to drive automation within projects. So it's good for those tasks where there's lots of examples where you can learn from and the inputs and the outputs can be encoded as a series of numbers, essentially that's what it works on. So what make these projects successful will depend on A, do you have the data where you can train the models with lots of examples and is that data correct and unbiased otherwise you're just teaching the model the wrong thing so the use of these processes will always increase because there's lots of cloud-based machine learning tools out there it's almost a commodity and what's going to be key is automating the management of the input data making sure it's high quality and it's unbiased and it's encoding the right information so for one spatial, that means using a rules-based engine to verify the data, to clean it up, to merge it and combine it from different sources, and then to encode particularly that spatial information into numbers that you can feed into a model and information such as the roundness of something, what's its adjacency, things like that. So we've almost got our usual data quality and data engineering twist, really, into what we're thinking about there and thinking about it in terms of all the other automated tasks. So what you're describing is very much like a lot of things that a lot of projects face. So we want to make sure we pass it data into the system of a known quality just so we can manage it, I suppose, and treat it like a risk, like on a lot of other projects, as well as encoding, obviously, spatial information. But with machine learning, from what you're saying, really, there's at least a couple of levels where we need to think about that. There's making sure we know and understand the quality levels of the data that we might use to train the models. And then there's actually making sure that we pass good quality data into that process as well. So we can let the model do and work through the predictions. So I suppose knowing both sides of that is really important in building good tests where we want to test out our hypothesis and our ideas. But how do you make sense of the actual models themselves? Yeah, well, that's where you need the data science to take over, essentially. And when you train the model, you have to test it all the time, just like any other software that you're building, and use that to ensure your predicted results match the right results. And especially with machine learning, where it's a black box and it's hard to see what's happening inside, those tests are critical. And that goes in parallel with the test data. So making sure that the data you're testing it with is correct, and then making sure that the outputs you get match with reality or the data that represents reality. But that stuff will be automated using other approaches. And that sort of technology has helped us to remove any concerns or risks about too much data as a burden. And that's not really the case anymore. Computer processing and other techniques such as rules-based systems help us to manage that size of data to allow that to be automated. And I suppose it just becomes part of normal systems as well, where whether we're building business rules or encoding things, really, we build it against requirements, we get the testing done, and then we know it works and look to make sure it works through that release process. So it sounds like the journey for machine learning, just as another AI technique, especially in the spatial world, 
for this next year, there's going to be a lot of opportunities and really to make sure we realise them and that they work. And a big part of the challenge will always be carefully managing the data that we use within those processes and the different ways we look to automate everything and the techniques that's going to help us make sure we do it efficiently, make sure we give people the right confidence and trust in the results of the systems that use those techniques. And then ultimately the decisions that then get made based on that. Yeah, exactly. So one example where we've done it in the real world is predicting the chance of a water pipe leaking. And what we do is we'll take the rules-based approach to QA the input data and to generate the statistics that we feed into a machine learning model, such as encoding what's above the pipe. You know, is it a busy road? Is it a pavement? What sort of things are connecting into this pipe? What's it made of? Taking all that information and pushing it into the model and then using existing historical data about where pipes have leaked or burst in the past and push that into a machine learning process. And that can help to then improve the prediction on all of my existing pipes. Can I predict how likely they are to burst or to leak? And then to use that, all customers need to do is supply their data into the system and the rules-based and ML processes work together to take care of the rest and then generate a prediction for each pipe as to how likely are you going to be to, to leak. Perfect, great example of a scenario where all those techniques help the rules-based approach and the machine learning approach. Yeah, that's right. And that's an example of one where the input is vector data. A second scenario that we've been looking into is there are lots of deep learning techniques out there for image processing and image classifications and lots of work's going on in that area. And one thing that we do is we'll augment that process by pre-processing the data to improve the result of that classification. And also then the important thing is what you do with the output data. So those processes will take an image and generate some classified vectors. But normally those are quite noisy vectors. And what you want to do is then to clean it up and compare it with your existing features so you can infer, say, updates required if you're doing a change detection process. And that's important because if you're maintaining vector data that you're using to make decisions, you don't want to throw it away and replace it with a possibly messy auto-detected data. You need to integrate the changes with your existing data to maintain the identifiers, to detect changes and deal with that fuzziness in the data. So it's that pre-processing step of the outputs of the machine learning that's also critical to make it useful and usable. That makes sense, Seb. So two quite different scenarios, but built following the same process, really. So the way we've looked at it, the way it sounds like we've looked to tackle it from one spatial perspective is to take advantage of machine learning, but very much like a hybrid AI system. So leveraging the machine learning, but doing it in combination with our rules-based engine and our rules-based approach. And actually what we're saying is that using both together enables and gives us that scalability and the generalization capabilities that any application or solution that we build can take advantage of. So the rules-based approach, which we've been using for a long time with OneIntegrate, continues to help us with that really important data preparation step. So we can QA everything, we can QA all the inputs, we can make sure that the data we're supplying to the solution is fit for purpose, but also make sure the data that we're going to use to train the models so that a key part of the ML process, the data that's provided there is also fit for purpose. And then everything is being managed and we understand the risks of all the inputs to that system. And we've got, from what you're describing, a nice interface between one integrate and our machine learning subsystem, if you like, so that we can perform those geospatial predictive analytics. 
So while one integrate gives us that efficient rules-based engine and rules-based approach that's capable of producing spatial analytics, the machine learning part, that subsystem actually learns from all that geospatial data and identifies correlations and patterns across all the different attributes of the data that we've provided. So really applying that probabilistic learning and taking advantage of the deep learning neural network techniques to make sure that the output, the information we get back from the solution is of high quality. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, it's the advances in, in processing power, especially via cloud computing, plus the availability of data that it's like the perfect environment for these tasks just to be done easily. And that's probably why they're now becoming genuinely viable techniques to build solutions. And if we read around, we can see that there's already these types of hybrid approaches being described and people are doing this today and they're calling that neurosymbolic AI systems. What we've seen is by testing against past data, we're showing really promising results using one integrates capabilities in this predictive geoanalytics field. So it'll be exciting to see where we go next on the AI spectrum and things like neural networks or NLP or reinforcement learning and, and where they take us next. Thanks, Seb. And thanks to everyone for listening into this episode of the One Spatial Podcast. We'll be back very soon with the next episode. So keep a lookout, keep following us on all the platforms that you're using. Mm-hmm.